there! You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast, recorded live at Collective Church in Roanoke, Texas, with co-lead pastors Courtney Clark and Megan Lawton. Enjoy the sermon! I'm going to pray and then we'll get started. Uh, God, thank you that we're able to come and be here today um, and just have some fellowship together and community. Um, And I just pray that we are able to enjoy um, the few minutes that we get together and take it with us throughout the week. In your name, amen. So we are in part two of our three-part series, Where Do We Go From Here?, um, which is a continuation of Rob's sermon series from, I believe, 2018, 104 Houston Street. Um, So Megan graciously took over for me last week when we were out with um, some kids that had COVID. And now she's out this week because her kid is sick. So we just trade it. Um, But she said that Daniel's okay. He just was having lots of tummy troubles. So she doesn't think it's COVID. Um, But just keep them in your thoughts. Sick kids are no fun, no matter what they have. Um, when um, this church started eight years ago, we're coming up on our eight-year anniversary, I think next week, Rob's um, first sermon was on grace and peace. And then a few weeks ago, when he preached his last sermon here, he preached on the same, grace and peace. And this church began with the intention of being a refuge for people who, at best, felt like grace was conditional in the church or sometimes non-existent. Um, a place to go and experience grace and peace when it feels like there's not any grace and peace left in the world. Um, But now that the Carmacks are gone, we find ourselves asking, where do we go from here? Um, What does that look like? And I think the answer is much the same. We head towards grace and peace. But there are key factors that create that space. It doesn't just happen. It starts and ends with community. The atmosphere here um, starts with each other. We build community with with each other and we carry it out to the community around us and participate in the world that we exist in, right? So we start today by discussing community and why this church has always been more than just whoever's standing up front. Um, So the dictionary defines community as a group of people that live in the same place or have a particular characteristic in common. Oftentimes people kind of just form community because they're in the same place at the same time and they found something that they had in common. Um, you see this a lot in schools, particularly, like the soccer table has a table, or the soccer team has a table, the drama club has a table, the band has a table, um, and you kind of like break up from there amongst like different things that you have in common, right? Um, But this definition of community is really passive. It's almost as like community just happens and community takes a lot of work. It doesn't just exist. I know personally, I've been in a lot of spaces that we have a lot of things in common, but it is totally void of community. I've been in churches that, I mean, we have faith in common. We're together in the same space. We all believe the same thing, but there is no community to be found. Community takes work and it takes generosity and intentionality. Um, not necessarily generosity of time, of money or things, but generosity of your time, of your person. The fact that you're here today, that you participated in the discussion we just had over Psalms 1, is an act of generosity of your time, of your person. It's intentional generosity. 
and the Carmacks were intentional about creating a space that welcomed questions, that operated in everything we do with grace and peace. And each of you, when you show up on the weekends, you buy into that intention of grace and peace. When you participate in the discussion, you buy into grace and peace. When you show up at the anniversary dinner, you buy into grace and peace. And I hear so many stories of generosity and intentionality amongst the people in our community. I mean, for me personally, when um, I said a few weeks ago that our family was struggling with chronic illness and surgeries, I had so many of you text me and check on me and ask if you could bring food, ask if you could watch my kid, do anything um, to kind of help us navigate this new waters that we're in. Um, I've heard stories of each of you checking on mental health when someone has a baby and continually checking, not just those first month or two, it's like six months, nine months, like, hey, how can I help your mental health as a new parent? Um, how can I support you in that? And just over the last eight years, grace and peace have been, the goal has been the intention. And it's not a destination that we just arrive at. It's something that takes a continual working, a place that doesn't exist without the effort of the community. And I think COVID really highlighted our deep-rooted need for community. Um, I mean, it's obvious with the rampant mental health crises that are going around across the, across the world. Um, people are, have been in isolation and when we were created for community, that isolation, being told to separate ourselves is hard. It's hard to face, it's hard to do. Um, there's just something about being together in the same space that you just can't meet in any other way. You can't get that <coughs> online. And thankfully we do have technology where we can meet in Zoom and whatever, and we have ways that we can still sort of experience community when we, we're apart, but it's not the same. There's something so unique about taking time and space to be vulnerable together, to be in the same space, touching each other, seeing faces. I think eating together is the ultimate act of vulnerability. We are showing our own humanity, our dependency on food for survival. And you're letting down your shields, figuratively, but also in a time when we are all wear masks, literally, um, when you partake in a meal together with someone or a group of people. Community is ushered in with food in a way that there's really no comparison. And as a church, we're actively trying to find ways that we can include food. Um, like the brunch that we did a few weeks ago, the anniversary dinner coming up. Um, there's been discussion about, in the past, we've done small groups that meet together just for dinner, not necessarily to have a Bible study discussion, but just to have dinner and have that community and that vulnerability together. And um, we think that meals together are important because it builds this community, but we also see that in the life of Jesus. Jesus thought the same. There's so many stories we have of his life involve food. Um, I mean, his first miracle was at the wedding at Canaan where he turns water to wine. One of the last acts he was dinner with his disciples um, before he died. We call that the Last Supper. And then after he was resurrected and he meets the men on the road to Emmaus, he goes and he has a meal again with the disciples. Um, in fact, throughout the book of Luke, many of Jesus' teachings are paired with a meal. Taking meals together was important to Jesus, not just for the sake of nurturing the body, but for the sake of nurturing the community, for what it did for their souls, not just for their bodies. One of the most well-known stories of Jesus sharing food is when he feeds the 5,000. 
And the story really shows Jesus' compassion to the poor and the hungry. Um, so he has taken his disciples off away. They've been busy, they've been working, and he takes them for a break to have some rest. And the crowd follows them. <laughs> and um, I can only imagine the disciples are like, we're supposed to be napping. What is happening here? Um, there's all these people. And Jesus is like, he welcomes them graciously he op- with open arms. And he says, no, let them stay. And after spending the whole day with them, the disciples, um, while they had been compassionate and graceful, are like, we, these people are far from home. We're far from home. There's nowhere for them to stay. There's nothing for them to eat. You need to let them go so they can find those things. So they can go home if they're close enough or they can you know, go stay with someone that's local. He's, um, the disciples are urging him and he says, no, we're going to feed them. And he um, meets with a little, in John chapter 6, I believe. Yeah, John chapter 6, it says there's a little boy who has some loaves of bread and some fish. And um, Jesus takes the loaves of bread and the fish and he performs what I would say is one of the biggest miracles of his lifetime and feeds 5,000 men. Um, the women in this time period, women and children weren't recorded, so it was likely more than 5,000 um, since it's evident that there were at least kids there um, since the little boy that had the fish. But feeds all of these people with just this like handful of food. And to top it all off, there was leftovers. Jesus wanted to make sure that they were fed. He was welcoming, welcoming all of them, the women, the children, the men, to the table to participate in what he was doing. No questions asked, no exceptions, no rules. And this is really radical at a time period when there was not really a lot of mixing of classes or groups of people. Um, Religious people kind of intermingled amongst themselves, tax collectors intermingled amongst themselves. Yet Jesus had meals with both, sometimes at the same time. We see that um, in Matthew, Chapter 9, verses 10 through 13, Jesus is having a meal yet again um, when he is questioned by the religious leaders for the company that he keeps. So let's look at that. It says, Later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, a lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. When the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit and lit into Jesus' followers. What kind of example is this from your teacher, acting cozy with crooks and riffraff? Jesus overheard and shot back, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle the insiders. His response is a quote from Hosea 6.6. He's essentially saying, I'm not here to play by the rules. I'm here to offer grace and peace to everyone. Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, tries to embody the same message of community and grace. Um, we see in Galatians 6, chapter, or chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul's giving instruction to the Galatian church on what it looks like to live in the freedom that Jesus offers in community. So the church of Galatia has been, um, there's a lot of traditional religious people that have kind of come into this church, and they're saying, you have to follow these rules. And there's kind of, it's starting some arguments and some uproar amongst the church. And Paul's urging them um, to participate in community rather than this back and forth and this debate. So in the verse immediately before this, in verse one, Paul is, um, he tells them to, when someone 
um, kind of falls into this like religious mindset and is ha you know, fighting over like the rules and the what should we do and how should we look, how should we perform, um, to welcome them back, forgive them, and then restore that relationship. And he's continuing that in verse two saying, carry this all together. Stop fighting, stop trying to divide yourselves, carry it together because you might be the one that's struggling the next time, whether it be this or something else, and you're gonna need someone to help you carry it because you can't do it on your own. We have to walk through the struggles together, be it this one or the next one. We have to reach out to the oppressed, share the burdens. Don't put yourself above someone else. Don't battle. Life, I mean, difficult, life is difficult. <laughs> Um, whether it be just life in general, relationships, finances, you shouldn't have to do it alone. And I, growing up, I was always taught God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Um, and the implication was always, you're strong enough to handle it on your own. And I don't think that's true. I've faced a lot of challenges in my life that I absolutely needed my friends. I needed my therapist. I needed help. I couldn't do it on my own. There's no way I could have chronic illness with two toddlers on my own. I need my husband. I need my friends. I need all of you. We all need each other, whatever it is that we're facing. And I think that's what Paul is getting at. You could put on a brave face and pretend like you've got it all together and that you can carry it yourself, not knowing how to discern which way to choose. Are there, is it right to be the religious, to, to follow all of the rules, or is it something in between? Does it have to be the black and white in and out? How do we discern that? You don't have to carry that on your own. We do it together. Community requires work from all of us. Leadership sets the precedent, but all of us, leadership included, participate in the actual execution. And Collective Church has been really good at this over the years. Like I said earlier, I mean, as for our, our family, um, when we've had babies, you've had meals delivered, um, you've come and watched my kids when I just can't anymore, <laughs> like every mom. Um, but the reality is this church doesn't exist because of who stands up front. It's because of all of you showing up every week, day in and day out, living life together. I didn't commit to take this over because I thought I was the best teacher or because I could fill the shoes that Rob left behind, but because of what every single one of you has meant to me, what this place, what this space of grace and peace has meant to me, what the space to ask questions has meant to me, what it's done for my life and for my faith and my kids. <laughs> Grace and peace is felt when you walk in the store, uh, at least for me. I hope it is for all of you. And Rob cultivated that. He ushered that in eight years ago. But the reality is it stuck around this long for eight years because all of you put in the work to continue to carry it out. And so where do we go from here? the same place we've been headed all along, grace and peace. No questions asked, no exceptions. You are human, you deserve grace and peace. You are loved, you deserve grace and peace, always. So may you go this week, may you feel grace and peace and love. May you know that you're always welcome here, that your questions are welcome here, that your struggles are welcome here, whether you have it all figured out right now, or you're the one that has none of it figured out and you can't carry it on your own, you're welcome here. Grace and peace be with you.
This has been the Collective Church Podcast. We post episodes every week on Sundays. If you're interested in supporting our church, you can give at collectivechurch.net slash give. I hope you enjoyed listening.